Hi, everybody. This is David Ellison, and you are listening to Thunder Underground. Welcome to episode 287 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here, as always. And this week, we've got the return of David Ellison from Megadeth on this podcast. What do you think about that? I'm stoked. Same here. And we got like 10 minutes longer. We got 30 minutes this time with him. Oh, it was last time about 20? Yeah. So, I mean... This is great. And, you know, he's a super dude and talks about all kinds of shit. Fuck yeah. I mean, what's not to like? Right. Yeah, we get into a lot of cool stuff about, a lot of stuff about the Elfson album that's coming out in October. And a few other things, and we're going to get to that. We're going to play some music. We're going to talk, we've got a few things to talk about as well. First off, I should have mentioned this last, on the last episode, but happy birthday. Your birthday was this past week. Oh, thanks. Appreciate yeah. it. And as part of your birthday, you got an advanced copy of Napalm Death. I sure did. And we actually just recorded a video for that. It'll be on our YouTube page. By the time you're hearing this episode, it's on our YouTube page. Exactly. It was, uh, it showed up a week before it came out. Yeah, it comes, it comes out, out. Comes out tomorrow, actually, Friday, right. September 18th. It was, a, it was a great present for my 26th birthday. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whenever you were born, Napalm Death was already having into it in 94. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm old as fuck, so whatever. Right. But yeah, so that was a, a cool surprise for your birthday, and we both checked it out, and it's a cool album. If you Great record. have ever dug some Napalm Death, I think you'll really dig this. It's the first album in five years, and it's going to kick some ass. It's out this weekend, so check that out for sure. But first, before we get into everything else, we need to let you know who we're sponsored by and who keeps this thing going for us. And that would be DEB Concerts, promoter right here in Tulsa that's bought brought a ton of great acts to downtown Tulsa to the Ideal Ballroom. They also booked the Roadhouse Stage at Rocklahoma. They've brought in bands like Saxon and Last in Line and Warrant, Winger, L.A. Guns. This past weekend, Phil Lewis played the Ideal Ballroom. Solo acoustic in a socially distant show. And then guess what? They just announced October 23rd, The Mighty. Yeah, I put the word mighty in front of it. The Mighty John Caravi is coming back to Tulsa. And when I say mighty, I mean it because this is like one of my favorite singers of all time. Right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> sang on one of my favorite records on the planet. So He is the voice of Molly Crew that can still sing live. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and he'll be at the Ideal Ballroom October 23rd. That's a Friday night. And I'm sure it'll be the same way, socially distanced. I know they had tables set up. The Ideal has a new system put in place that actually pulls any airborne germs out of the, the air, basically. And it's like a ventilation system that's meant for, you know, surface germs and stuff. And it gets 99.9% of them. So that's a thing that a lot of clubs don't have. Get on debconcerts.com for ticket info for that and any other upcoming shows. And they keep up to date on any rescheduled shows as well. And we'll, of course, keep you up to date here ourselves. Also, MedFarm is a dispensary located in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, 24683 East Highway 51. They're right off the highway. They have a drive through which is something that most dispensaries don't offer. You can call ahead or text ahead and then just drive right through and pick up your order. You can also go in there and check them out. 
You can look ahead online at leafly.com to see their entire selection. Follow them on Facebook. That's MedFarm, P-H-A-R-M. Instagram is MedFarmOK. And their website's MedFarmOK.com. If you tell them that you heard about them on Thunder Underground, they'll give you 10% off your first order, which is really cool. And above all else, 30% of their proceeds are going to build no-kill animal shelters. So that's a huge reason why you should frequent MedFarm over any other dispensary in this area. Because you're helping the animals. And a huge thank you to MedFarm for their continued support. We've also got Sunset Tattoo. A tattoo shop right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. They're at 3415 East 15th Street. Right in the heart of Midtown. Right near Merritt's Bakery. So get over there. Buy yourself a piece of cake. And then you'll get a tattoo from Jake. That fucking rhyme now. What are you trying to? <laughs> That's you amazing. did a fucking plug for Merritt's Bakery and they don't even pay us. Yeah, and I don't even like Merritt's Bakery. Never so. been there. But now you're not. Now you're taking away from from Jake's time. So That's right. You need to get back on the tattoo <laughs> trip, dude. That's right. Jake and his crew have over 25 years of experience. They're state licensed and they are mother approved. Their tattoos are done good and proper. You can check out all their work on their Facebook, Sunset Tattoo Tulsa, and also their Instagram is full of photos as well, Sunset, at Sunset Tattoo Tulsa. Give them a call, shoot them a message, one or the other, to schedule a time so you can talk about work you need to be done, and of course let them know that you heard about them right here on Thunder Underground, and we'll be showing you pictures of our tattoos soon enough when we get them completed. But And finally, Hella Hot Hot Sauce. Is a hot sauce company located in San Francisco Bay Area of California. They just narrowly avoided some of those uh, those wildfires. Came pretty close to where they're at. I saw him post on Facebook. So it's crazy shit, man. Yeah. So a shout out to them. Glad that, that worked out for them. Because they're a great company. HellHotHotSauce.com is where you can see all their products. You can buy them. And they'll ship to you anywhere. If you're on the West Coast, they sell them in a lot of stores as well. They've got some cool collaborations they do as well. Ghoul, a hot sauce called Brain Jerk. We had Digester from Ghoul on this podcast a year or two ago. But yes, hella, hella hot sauce. Uh, dude, uh, we love you over there and watch out for the exploding trees. That's right. Florida Frank's Florida Heat's another collaboration they got from Florida Frank of Hatebreed. So check that out as well. It's great stuff. We've got some here. Hit up some hella hot hot sauce and tell them we sent you. Here, I, just Before at the we top, get into the music, yeah, let's... Just at the top, you know, while we're still... You know, you had just mentioned um, L.A. Guns, Phil Lewis, all that. I just kind of wanted to shout out to Tulsa Music Stream, Scott and Jana. Yeah. They had Phil Lewis on the show recently, on their show. And, and he was in person in their studio, which is fucking huge. And, um, you know, I, I saw it there, he's... He's answering questions from the from the viewers and right. That was great stuff. Um, that's a big get for them. So congratulations. That's kind of one of the things I want to say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I caught I caught the good majority of that, and it was really cool. And they, of course, did a great job. So check out Tulsa Music Stream. Just plug that into Facebook, and you'll find them. They're doing some cool stuff. They, of course, focus on Tulsa artists, but they've brought in. Stuff like Phil Lewis, and they've got an interview lined up with Lita Ford now as well. Yeah, I mean... Can't go wrong there. Yeah, and uh, just like anything Scott and Jana do, it's it's top-notch. Yeah. 
and, and they know what they're doing. So definitely a shout out to them. Yeah, so check them out. And like I always say, tell them we sent you. All right, so let's play some music. Speaking of Tulsa, there's a brand new band in the Tulsa area called Medicine Horse. I'll tell you a little bit about who's involved and all that stuff when we get back. But this song is called The Turning Tide.
Turning Tide, the debut single from the band Medicine Horse. This band features Kyle Williams on guitar, which that's odd to say, at least for me, and I think probably anyone, because he even said it himself, you know, he's, I think this is the first time he's been in a band where he's not singing. Right. You know, we've had him on the podcast before, way back, and we've played his music and seen him live a bunch of times with some of his bands like Forever and Disgust and Smoke Offering and She the Serpent. Fantastic metal vocalist, but he's handling the guitars with this band. And Nico Albert is there on vocals. If you're in the Tulsa area, you've probably heard her name because, you know, she's a well-known chef in this area as well. She does some killer, killer vocals. It's always, I always love when I hear female vocals on sludgy, doomy type music. Right. Because it's, I mean, there's bands out there, but they're not that common. And for her to sing... As beautifully as she did, and then towards the end, get guttural. And, right. You know, she can do both. And then we've got Garrett Heck on the drums, who Garrett Heck's well-known around here for basically his solo stuff. But this is, a, I mean, a really cool project with a lot of stuff going on, and I, I dig everything I've heard from this song for damn sure. Yeah, this shit is legit. It's right up our alley. Yeah. This is kind of stuff that just gets us going, and um, I'm sold. I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, the the crowbars of the world. Oh, man. Crowbars, COC. Yeah. All that kind of great stuff. You know, if, if you're digging that, I can't wait to see what Medicine Horse has in store. Hopefully they have some some more music coming soon so we can check all that out. But, you know, I was talking to Kyle on Messenger and he said, you know, he can kind of chill out. And I'm like, well, you're still playing guitar. But, you know, I guess, you know, as far yeah. as not... Not having to have the full intensity going he usually has is on stage, you know. Right. But yeah, so check out Medicine Horse. Give them a follow on Facebook. They've got a cool video for this song as well, so check that out. Let them know we sent you. All right. Well, speaking of stuff along that vein, down recently, you know, we have spoke about this a couple of times, but we didn't see it till later. Their live stream they did on, I think it was like August 28th or 29th. Same day as that Metallica drive-in show. Right. They did a live stream where they performed NOLA, their debut album, in its entirety. And we actually checked this out about a week ago. We watched it over at your place. Jason Carroll was over there. HQ2. Yeah, right. Um, Man, uh, it was good to see Kirk back with him. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else you were going to say. I just kind of took over, but... um. You know, Phil sounded great. What a treat that was to see. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the thing that stood out the most, I think. Above all else is just how powerful Phil sounded. Oh yeah. Yep. It tells you it tells you that when all this shit gets back and going, um, you know, down is gonna be a force to be reckoned with as they usually were. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean it's not like Phil was ever bad, you know, but you know, he had his periods where, you know, he, he would ramble on stage. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of always been his thing. But on this, you know, it was more, I think you kind of mentioned it, more to the point. Yep. You know, he'd introduce yes. the songs. He'd do shout-outs to, he was doing shout-outs to random countries for some weird reason. And <laughs> dedicate the songs to him. And, I mean, the song sounded fantastic. I mean, even on Pepper Keenan or Kirk Winstein or Jimmy Bauer's worst day, they still sound better than most people. So Right? And yeah, they, exactly. So, 
like you said, they had a ton of stuff planned for this year because this year was the 25th anniversary. They were doing going to do that album live in its entirety on a lot of festivals and other stuff to be announced. But so hopefully they'll still do that when the time comes. Exactly. I mean, it won't be a. And the thing is, is 25th uh, anymore, but still. Yeah, and I don't know how all these live streams work. Like in the way of you pay, you pay for it and you get the link, but it didn't take long. This fucking thing was on YouTube. Yeah. So I, I you know, I don't know that they, they probably need to get a hold on that somehow. Right. But hey, it worked out because I wanted to see it. We saw it. That's right. Well, you know, so there you go. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the the new Sons of Texas EP? Sure. Do you remember? I, 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 I. I I don't know. Because I kind of sprung that onion. We didn't like prepare. I've listened to it a few times, but it's been a week or two. Yeah. Whenever it came out. I know that. It came uh, out, when, the, yeah, the week before last. Is it when the crow flies? Is the crow flies? As the crow flies. Um, yeah. I, I really liked it. I don't know that you and Jason Carroll liked it as much, but it kind of had a different sound. You know, there's a little bit of dissonance to it. Yeah. And I appreciated that, you know, because. Uh, there's never anything wrong with kind of branching out a little bit. Right. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this group of songs. Um, and I like how they're doing things, you know, let's release three songs. Oh, here's another song. Well, let's release three more songs. So it's almost like you've got almost a whole other third record. Yeah. And, you know, they're doing it their way. And, you know, these are powerful, you know, the talent, the know-how is all there. Um, in my book, Sons of Texas still hasn't let me down. All right. Well, yeah, John Oliveris talked about that on a podcast when it was on here a few months ago, about how they were just kind of going that route with mm-hmm. with EPs for now because it's kind of kind of the way to do it, you know, and it's yeah. digital only. And I'm sure if they're out touring, they'd probably have yeah. discs for sale, you know, that kind of thing. But the first track, Preach to the Mirror, I think Pretty much along lines of, you know, everything they've done that we know yeah. the heavy stuff. But it's kind of the other two tracks that stood out as being a little different. And I think it was kind of my initial reaction when I first heard it. I was like, just kind of taken off guard, I guess. And it's not like they're like wildly different. Just kind of like right. you said, there's just a bit difference to it. And then after listening to it, I listened to this thing like several times in a row. And I really dug it. You know, As the Crow Flies is a, a slower song and Mark... I think Mark Morales like really shines on that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, he's got that great voice that's kind of reminiscent of, you know, a lot of people compare him to Phil, but it's on the slower stuff where, I mean, I think, and you see it, it like, yeah, yeah, you see it on like his live streams and then like the ballads they've had on the, the first two albums and, you know, the last EP. And, and the Mark Morton stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah. You can't forget that. Like did that cover of Black by Pearl Jam. Which was amazing. So yeah, check out As the Crow Flies. It's been out now for almost a couple weeks. And these guys are doing it independently now, like on their own, with outside no labels, distributions. So As they should. Yeah. Buy the three songs. Or yes. Buy some merch or something. Right. Especially during these times. That's what keeps these bands going and keeps them, allows them to put out EPs and that kind of thing. The COVID times. Yeah. You know, there's something, you know, before we get into, I don't know what you've got left. There's one thing I wanted to bring up. 
and I don't even know how old this is, but I just heard it for the first time the other day. Um, I don't know. Do you like Code Orange at all? There are. I mean, I like them, but yeah. I don't really like delve too deep into them. You know, I, I, I remember when they came out. I remembered when they came out, excuse me, and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. This is great shit. It's a little newish for me, you know? Um, maybe I'm, I might, this might not be really for me, but it's fresh and I really like what these guys are doing. And then, you know, this, the newer stuff they came out with this past year, I'm like, what the fuck are they trying to be nine inch nails? What the fuck is this? <laughs> and it was just, I, it just, I didn't get it. And again, it's probably not for me to get. Um, but I just heard, uh, the other day their cover of, um, down in a hole by Alice in Chains. Oh, I haven't heard that. Oh man, I, I just I was moved, literally moved by it. It was it was fucking spot on. Okay. It was, was like Was it a recorded thing? It wasn't like a live version? It was a live thing at something. Oh, I don't okay. know. I, I'm not gonna pretend like a to serious know. type thing. Yeah. Okay. They totally captured the spirit of the song without just, you know, aping it and being a complete copy. It was just it was it was haunting. It it, it really got it really got to you. So, um, I don't know if it's a serious deal. I heard it on Sirius, but I'm not sure what it's for, but go check it out. It is fucking stunning. Oh, cool. I'll do that. So yeah, that was, that was one thing I had. Yeah. That's the one thing, the biggest thing I think from all these, not live streams, but like zoom performances and stuff that we've got throughout this whole pandemic era mm-hmm. is there's been a, a lot of great covers. Yes, there has. And another one that knocked me on my ass. I forgot to even bring this up to you. I, I don't know. Maybe I sent the video to you and Jason, but it's been out two or three weeks ago. Another Charlie Benante joint. And this is with Mark from Death Angel on vocals and Mark Mengi from Metal Allegiance on bass. Mm-hmm. And then Charlie on piano, drums, and guitar. Okay. All three of them, like it shows him, you know, playing all three. And then the only other instrument is Mark playing bass. And then Marco Suegas singing Mother Love Bones, Crown of Thorns. I need to, I need to look that up. Chloe Dancer, Crown of Thorns. It's the both, it's the two songs together. It's like nine and a half minutes long. Okay. They do the entire thing. And I mean, when I first saw that it was Mark singing, I'm like, well, I know this dude can sing. Yeah. But this, I mean, like Andrew Wood's vocals are little above what you're used to hearing from from Marco Suega. And he, yeah. he fucking nailed it. It, well, was, uh, it was great. Um, He was great on the YouTube cover. Of what? I don't even fucking know. I don't know YouTube. But it was it was some YouTube song. Was that with Charlie as well? Yeah. Oh, wow. I guess I missed yeah. that one. Yeah. There's so many of these things I missed. Who was it? It was, uh, god damn. I, yeah, there's so many. But yeah, um... Uh, it makes you wonder, Mark Osagueda could probably be in a few different kind of genre bands. True. With what he can do vocally. Yeah, you gotta kind of wonder, like, why he's never done some other stuff, just... Right. I mean, Death Angel's been pretty, you know, active over the past, at least, decade. Yeah, so there you go. But, yeah. So, yeah, check out all those, if you have not, but... Speaking of Mark Mingy, we've had him on this podcast before, and he's in a band called Metal Allegiance with one David Elfson. That's right. There's a segue. And that's who we have coming up on this show today. Right. We've now, well, we've already had on David Elfson, so there's been 
what, three members of Metal Allegiance? The core, the core group of Metal yes. Allegiance, all four out of the four of them. Right. Three of them have been on here except for Mike Portnoy. Yeah, Portnoy, you're next. We're coming for you. That's right. <laughs> Alex Skolnick, Mark Mingy, and David Ellison twice. So there's four members. That's enough. It covers the amount of people. In exactly. <laughs> kind of moving into the David Ellison stuff. He's got a band called Ellison that features Tom Hazard on vocals. And they have a new album coming out in just about three or four weeks. I think it, well, I think it's October 2nd. So just actually like two weeks. And I ordered the cassette already. Did you? Dude, you know yeah. me. Come on. Absolutely. I'm the cassette fucking nerd. Cassette, it's going to have 17 tracks of cassette goodness there for Can't you. Can't wait. <laughs> so we've heard their cover of Wasted by Def Leppard. We actually played that on the last episode. Right. We've heard their cover of Free Will Burning from Judas Priest. Is that it? Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's something else we listened to. Yeah, there to was like, something else that we were... I oh, can't the Cheap Trick. Okay. And, uh... I mean, this has covers. I mean, it kind of spans the gamut. Like, you've got... Nazareth, Love Hurts, like big hits like that. And then it's got Fight, Nailed to the Gun. And then it's Man. got Fast Way, Tell Me What You Want, right? Or no? Say What You Say Will. Say What You Will. You... That's fucking Zebra. That Tell me head. what you want. <laughs> is, that, is that Zebra? Yeah. Okay, well, there you, you know, and they were... Cobra that, Kai. That shirt was just on Cobra Kai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Dave Ellison gets into talk about all that stuff and about... Mark Slaughter singing on the Fastway song, and I mean, we've got, he talks about the Fight song, several other things as well, but I'm really looking forward to this album based off the three tracks we've heard. Got a ton of covers this year from, like we just talked about, but it's kind of cool, you know, especially when you get like super groups like this, and these albums where it's got tons of collaborations, like Frank Hannon's on it, and Troy Lucchetta's on it. Oh yeah, it's great both shit. Both from Tesla. All kinds of, you know, guys join in on this thing. And Bumblefoot's on a lot of songs. But before we get into that, one other thing I wanted to mention. And since this is a key member of Megadeth, I wanted to throw out some love for cryptic writings. Because everybody always talks about, obviously, rest in peace, mm -hmm. countdown, extinction. You even get some love for euthanasia, as you should now and then. But usually all the love goes to those albums. Whereas... I used to say Cryptic Writings was my favorite album, just Ooh. to kind of like fucking shock people. Yeah, right. And I think I don't think you know. Obviously, it's it's got to be Rust in Peace, or yeah. <laughs> but but Cryptic Writings is so good and so underrated. I think in the grand scheme of things, it really is. And I think I don't really know where I was going with that. I just wanted to bring it up because no, there's nothing wrong with you know showing some love for Cryptic Writings. Yeah. It was you know, and especially at that time. You've got Metallica doing a reload and or load, and you know you've got this reload. These, that was like ninety seven. Yeah, these alternative doldrums of like vertical horizon and dishwalla. It's like God damn, dude. <laughs> and you know Megadeth just came along and gave us the just the the solid metal kick that we all needed in, in the nineties, in the late nineties. Yeah, you know it was. There's no rappers. There's no DJs. It was just the good meat and potatoes heavy metal that guys like us needed, you know, to kind of keep us going. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, during that time, I mean, there was Pantera and right. 
you know, Sepultura, you know, kind of yeah. had well, a you know, tick even, up with roots. and Even Pantera right at that time was a great Southern trend kill, and that was that was their most, you know, dissonant, abrasive-sounding record. Right. And we really needed something that was just straight up, you know, crack open some cheap beer and fucking bang your head with your friends on a Friday night fucking heavy metal record. Yeah, that's you a good know, point. No, no fucking... No deviations, no twists and turns. That that was kind of that was the that was kind of the antithesis of what was going on then. Was just doing a straight up fucking metal record. Yeah, God fucking forbid. Yeah, that's and, a and good they point. did it. And so there you go. And almost honest is one of their greatest songs of all time. I mean, my God, <laughs> She Wolf, Disintegrators. Uh, yeah, um, Trust. Vortex, yeah. uh, Use the Man, Fight for Freedom. Right. I mean, come on, man. I wish they'd play some more of those songs live every once right. in a while. You know, every once in a while, like they went She-Wolf, and they do trust a lot, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just a fantastic album, and that was followed up with Risk, which was kind of like the opposite of everything you just described. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but Risk has a couple good points, you know. Bread fan, bread fan good God. <laughs> Breadline. But it's see, a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't agree with that, though. With that song? Oh, with yeah. Breadline. Because Breadline is straight up just like a hard rock ballad. Right. Like, up-tempo kind of thing. You know, I wouldn't even say that Risk was bad. It was just, it was that, that was different. It just wasn't. But I can't, I, I can't tell you that I skip any songs when I put Risk on. Really? So if you want to make fun of me, go ahead. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> no, man. Bad that. <laughs> and then, you know, a lot of people ripped on Super Collider. It came out, what, like five years ago now? Right. Five or six years ago? Maybe longer than that. And uh, I absolutely love Super Collider. And that's kind of along the same lines as Risk, where it's more kind of, you wouldn't, I wouldn't call it a, you know, it's definitely not a thrash album. Right. But it's more along the line of just like a good heavy rock album. Right. The good hard rock thing. Yeah. yeah. But it's kind of like what Risk could have been, in my opinion. I see. I see. But see, I love that style of music just as much as I love thrash or whatever. And I mean, Dystopia, of course, was like worlds beyond better. Because, I mean, that's what you want from your Megadeth, I think. I get that. <laughs> and, um, you know, just everything kind of based off of what we've seen in the press, especially from Elfson. You know, really looking forward to this new album whenever it comes. Oh, man, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. yeah Nailed to the gun. Fuck, I cannot wait. Well, I meant Megadeth. Oh, but yeah. well, that Megadeth, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything Sorry. he's been saying about, you know, because he's said in some other interviews about, you know, the new Megadeth album coming. But, yeah, definitely. This Elfson album we should have here in just a couple weeks. And definitely that track is the one I'm looking forward to hearing the most. See, there you go. And That's how excited I am. I just went right over Megadeth. Holy <laughs> shit. What the fuck is wrong with me? Jason McMaster's on that thing? Come on. Dude. Yeah. That's a guy we need to get on the podcast. That's right. Anyways. Talk some broken teeth. Talk oh, some man. dangerous toys. Teasing, pleasing. Sporting a Woody. Scared. That's the best song. Yeah, that is. <laughs> All right. Well, let's quit rambling and get into this thing. Here's David Elfson of Megadeth and Elfson.
coming out. You guys have released the Wasted single. The cover for the album is kind of an homage to On Through the Night as well. So you're kind of pushing the thing with the Def Leppard homage, like kind of explain the idea behind the whole album cover and everything. Yeah, I mean, it was actually Tom and Melody Meyer's idea to do that. You know, Tom, because he knew what a big fan I was of that first Def Leppard record. You know, Tom is 10 years younger than me, so I joke that I... I quit buying records the year he started buying them. <laughs> um, you know, by, by 1983, when I moved to L.A. and Dave and I were starting Megadeth, you know, that was a time in my career where I got professional really deep into my own. You know, of my music and stuff. And I heard a lot of stuff going on around me because the radio was great in L.A. back then. There was KOS and KMET were the two big premier stations. And then, of course, by the late 80s, early 90s, can you see, you know, really up their wattage and they, you know, up their format and they played all metal and stuff. So it was, you know, LA radio was great. So, um, but, you know, but as the, by about the time Tom was getting into Pirate Romania, you know, that would be his kind of hit, you know, he like, I always joke, I'm 70s kiss guy, he's 80s kiss guy, you know? And, um, you know, the On Through the Night record for me, you know, really epitomized um, a great young British act that made the, the new wave of British heavy metal uh, seem possible for me. You know, that when it, obviously I'm not British, but when it was my turn up to bat, which I could feel it coming in the next couple of years when I was relocating from Minnesota to L.A., you know, the Def Leppard guys, with that one record especially, and, and even their transition into high and dry, I guess. But especially on Through the Night, man, that was just, you know, that one record. Because they were all teenagers. And, um, you know, so that, that, that record holds big significance. And, you know, the song Wasted, that I used to play in cover bands when I was growing up in Minnesota. And, um, you know, but, I mean, look, we could have used the BTO album. <laughs> you know, we could have put... Uh, we could have put, we could have recreated Sweet Desolation Boulevard too. You know, we could have put five of us in my band out on Sunset Boulevard, just like the cover of Desolation Boulevard. So, you know, it's kind of fun to, you know, pick one. You know what I mean? Tom just happened to pick out through the night. That seemed to be the one for our album cover. Well, you know, the, the song selection as a whole, I mean, was that these are the ones I want, or was it kind of by committee, kind of a joint thing? No, not really. They, they really worked the ones I wanted. Um, you know, Tom, Tom said, he goes, look, I'd love to do a Wasp song. So I, you know, I said, look, let's make it, you know, Love Machine. That's probably my favorite Wasp song and one that I thought was fitting for the sound of our band. Um, you know, he wanted to do, um, let's see what else did he want to do. He, you know, Judas Priest, um, you know, and he, again, he's a more of an 80s Priest fan, so Free Will Burning, which is obviously a great track. Um, so, you know, he, he chose a few of them. Most of them were the ones that, um, you know, I just kind of went really deep back into my, you know, songs that, that really inspired me. I mean, you know, again, Sweet, uh, you know, it's that, that, you know, Talk and Turner Overdrive, Cool Queen, Sheer Heart Attack. Um, you know, Nazareth Love Hurts. I mean, these were songs like these, these songs, these tracks were coming on the radio when I was like nine, 10, 11 years old. You know, I'm really young. Um, and then I picked up the bass at age 11 and started putting bands together by the time I was age 12. So, you know, those, those, <laughs> excuse me, those tracks were really, you know, 
at Jump Street for me. Um, you know, and then, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, so I think, I think, you know, maybe Rebel Yell and of course, you know, Crocus Eat the Rich where it was, uh, Eat the Rich actually was brought in by Dead by Wednesday. Um, and they, uh, a couple members of that band are, are, have been our backing band for when our Ellison solo group tours the U.S. Um, so they're a really great group out of Connecticut and they, you know, they, they know the sound of what we do because they're, they're part of our sound in the live setting when we tour. So I thought that one was cool. And, you know, Crocus, funny, my first exposure to Crocus was not on the Headhunter record. It was actually the record right before that. I saw them play. I went, I went to Minneapolis to go see Rainbow. I just gotten Joel and Turner in the band and Pat Travers was a three piece again. Pat Thrall had just left the group. And so had Tommy Aldridge. Um, and then um, uh, Crocus had opened for them on Metal Rendezvous was the album they were touring in support of. So when I got to L.A. a couple years later and I saw Crocus all over MTV with Eat the Rich, I was like, yeah, I remember that band. You know, they, yeah. they had obviously updated their sound and their, their style and they brought in the Judas Priest producer, Tom Allen, you know, who really turned a corner for them and really dialed their sound in and, you know, gave them a, a, a nice, really great kind of MTV modernized metal sound um, that brought them great success, you know. So definitely, I'm a fan of everybody that's on this record, you know, all, all the groups that we did, that we covered. And, you know, for me, one of the things is, is you know, I know a lot of these guys now, they've become my peers professionally and. So when they hear these tracks, I want to I want to put a smile on their face. You know, I want them to go, "Damn, man, that's really good. Like, you guys did a good job on that." You know, the guests on, on each song were they kind of what you envisioned for <laughs> each song, or was it just more of a question of who was available at you know the certain time? You know, first of all, it was to pick the right song, um, and then it was a matter of okay, who's going to sing on it? Um, knowing Tom was going to be the primary singer. But that, you know, Tom also has a very unique uh, kind of a stylized sound. Um, obviously, if you need to hit things hard, Tom is the guy. You know, if you need to put some good kerosene and diesel on the voice, man, he's the guy. <laughs> um, but what, you know, there's a couple of things we needed a cleaner voice. So, like, for instance, Sheer Heart Attack. Um, you know, and I didn't want to do, you know, maybe some of the more popular Queen songs. I wanted to go back, you know, but, um, you know, uh, A Night at the Opera was my first Queen record. And my the two my two favorite Queen records are Night at the Opera and um, News of the World. And uh, Sheer Heart Attack, funny, Death on Two Legs and Sheer Heart Attack are probably my two favorite Queen songs. So um, we opted for Sheer Heart Attack. And, and, and part of that was, as I, I said to Tommy, I said, man, who's going to sing it? And he goes, he goes, dude, Bumblefoot. And I go, oh, my God, of course, you know. Um, you know, Bumble plays live with us um, a lot and when, when we can have him. Uh, he's obviously quite busy himself. So uh, we record a lot with Ron. You know, we have him, you know, join us for stuff. So, you know, that was one where we wanted, um, I guess, first, we, you know, we kind of picked the, the artist, then the song, and then the singer. Um, and then even when we got it back, you know, I thought, you know, it needs a little bit of really clean, like almost a female voice on there. And we talked about some female vocalists and we had just worked with Doro. Doro was just on the mega cruise with us. And um, so it was great to reconnect with her and bring her into our world. And, and um, 
she became the perfect little, you know, kind of cherry on top vocally on that song. When you guys were recording this, you recorded most of this during this pandemic, right? Like, did that make it like a tougher process oh, yeah. than normal? I would assume, like, trying no. To- I mean, to be yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, we we talked about this literally. I mean, I would say, I don't know, June eighth is probably when we talked about this. Wow! And um, literally, we started cutting tracks like literally that you know, within like a day. I mean, we started sending ideas. We, you know, we hit our guitar player, Andy Martin Jelly, who is based over in uh, Verona, Italy. And we just said, hey, Andy, we're going to do this covers record. Here's like kind of the first three, four tunes we're thinking about uh, doing. He said, no problem. I'll get to work on them. So he he carved them into a, you know, a digital workstation uh, session, you know, like a, like a, um, you know, like a, a pro tool session. And then, you know, that's where it started. And he sent it to me, I played bass. Um, then Tom went in the studio and, and he cut vocals and we started getting all the guests around it. And, you know, and as that process was happening, I mean, literally by Tom didn't go in and sing, I don't think until maybe it was the end of June, end of June, first week of July, maybe. And, um, so by the time he got in to sing, I mean, we literally had probably 12 to 15 songs um, already lined out, you know, all of a sudden Fast Way and, um, you know, and I went through the Bachman Turner Overdrive song. Um, so it's, you know, it, it, I mean, this record was literally conceived, recorded and started mixing uh, literally within five weeks. Wow. My favorite thing when I looked at the track list was I saw Nell to the Gun was one of the tracks on there. And I'm a huge fan of that fight album. And that's kind of a newer song right. compared to most everything else on the list. Was that a, a Tom thing or was that a collective thing from both of you to choose that? No, I, I'll tell you how that happened. So, I, you know, I had a band back in the 2000s called F5. Right. And we had done a cover of Nell to the Gun. And one day, literally, as we're having this conversation about the covers i get a notification on my phone from youtube saying you know check out f5 nailed to the gun and i watched it and i and you know obviously jimmy degrasso was playing drums on that in that video and i right away i hit those guys to do let's do nail to the gun and they're like oh my god love that song of course let's do it so i hit jimmy and said hey you want to want to do round two and so that's how we got him involved and then he hit me and he said, hey, I've actually been doing some stuff with Andrew Freeman from Last in Line, and he would love to put, sing on Nail to the Gun. And I said, no problem. He said, Tom's already laid a vocal, but <laughs> let's, let's get Andrew involved. And, um, and then Andrew and Jimmy also played on Over the Mountain because um, we, we wanted to you know, put that track down. So, you know, it's funny how just getting one or two people involved, just it's just network. You know, like like one day Tom was on the phone with Charlie Benante talking about an unrelated uh, matter. And Charlie was just saying, you know, how he's bored and, you know, kind of frustrated because Anthrax is trying to work. And, you know, just like us with Megadeth, we're trying to make records. But people live in different cities and it's hard to fly. And, of course, the pandemic numbers were blowing up, you know, earlier this year. Right. So um, Tom's like, well, hey, man, you want to 
playing a couple of songs with me and David, you know, we're working on this covers record. He said, sure. <laughs> so, you know, all of a sudden he was on, he played on three tracks and, um, you know, I just had recorded the Megadeth record with Dirk at the end of, uh, May. And so I hit him up. I said, Hey man, you want to, said, you want to, want to bang a, a track? And so he played on the Lost song for us. Um, I, I reached out to Dave Lombardo and, said hey we got a few tracks left i'd love to have you play on something and, it's, and so he chose riff raff by acdc and um you know so it's it was just really great how this all came together and even while we had doro on the hook you know we uh you know we said hey we've got a motorhead song we're going to do and she said which one <clears throat> um she was really good friends with lemmy and um and we said well it's not one of the usuals we're going to do uh, love me like a reptile because me and my friend greg Handabit we used to play that in cover bands when we lived in minnesota as kids and she said oh my god what a great choice i'd love to <laughs> so yeah. um i had i had greg Handabit play guitar and do a vocal pass on it and said tom sang on it and doro sang on it so it's kind of this really cool really rowdy three you know three people gang vocal you know um pay homage to you know to, to lemmy and it's kind of funny so like you said rob halpert so rob's got obviously fight and a judas priest track on this record <laughs> fast Eddie clark has love me like a reptile and Fastway. so yeah. you know a couple of these guys got some of their own solo ventures as well as the bands that we've all come to know and love them for um which was which was really you know kind of it's just kind of funny how that worked out Exactly. Talk about um, getting Chuck Beeler back and, you know, kind of that reconnection. How'd that go? Yeah, you know, it's funny. You know, Chuck Chuck's remained a good friend with all of us in Megadeth. In fact, when we play in the Detroit area, he comes <laughs> to the shows. And, um, and he, um, you know, sometimes we even sit behind the kit, you know, and watch, uh, you know, now Dirk. But uh, he'd even sit back there with Sean Drover when he was in the band. So, you know, he's been a good, a good buddy, you know. So, yeah. um, and never causes any problems. He's never like, oh, man, I should be in the band and your new drummer sucks. You know, because a lot of guys get like that. You know, you know how band guys are, you know what I mean? There's a lot of, a lot of hurt feelings after the breakup, if you will, you yeah. know. And, and he's never been like that. He's always been very, just a real humble guy and, always glad for his you know couple years that he was in the group with us and um so last year when i was out doing a solo tour uh called bass story i when we went through detroit i hit chuck i said dude come up here and jam a couple tunes with me because he'd not been out in public playing and um he'd gone through some health things and had some back problems and so i said listen just get out get out here and let's go let's 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 do this so he, he came up and he, we jammed a few songs together and man, what a, just a, it just brought back what a, a memories of just what a great feel and pocket he has as a drummer, you know, and why he and I played so well together. Um, I always played really well with Chuck, you know, because he's really behind the beat and he's got this nice, really deep groove to how he plays, which, you know, just naturally makes everybody else in the band play better. Um, and, and so, you know, that, that started it. So that, that just, that kind of embraced our, you know, reignited our musical friendship. And so, you know, it was fun to call him up and say, Hey, you know, let's, let's get your recording again, man. Let's, let's get you on some, 
some vinyl and put the axe to the wax, if you will, and, and let's 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 get you back out and you know being being a recording artist. You deserve to be that, you know. So um, yeah, so it's nice to you know help lift a friend up and and uh, bring him back into the fold again. Definitely, I, I gotta say, you know, I want to touch on the you know having Mark Slaughter on. You know, my thrash buddies back in the day would make fun of me for wearing my wildlife t-shirt. Um, and, mm-hmm. and it's just, I, I I like seeing that he's on the record and, you know, talk about kind of that progression and kind of turning that perception on its ear because I, I think it's pretty important, you know? Well, you know, it's funny. Just just a couple of days ago, I was driving off to California and, and uh, Lick It Up came on. And, of course, that's where I think Vinnie Vincent started with Kiss. Yeah. And then right after that, he departed Kiss and he started the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, which featured Mark Slaughter on vocals and Dana Strum on bass. And Dana and Mark became good friends and musical allies. So even, you know, after they departed the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, they went off and started, you know, Slaughter. Um, and, you know, and, and, and still to this day, you know, go out and play as Slaughter and and yeah, the, the, um, um, is it stick it to you that, that record, yeah. um, you know, in particular, you know, like I listen, I'll listen to Sirius XM. I'll, you know, spin through the channels and I'll, I'll stick once in a while on hair nation, you know, and, and my slaughter's always on there. Right. And, <laughs> and, um, you know, it just goes to show how, you know, how well loved he, he is and, and what an icon he is of that genre. Um, and he hasn't lost a bit, man. He sings great. He still looks great. He, he's a great, you know, he's kind of like Sammy Hagar. He's known as a singer, but he's also a, a killer guitar player. Um, and Mark, you know, Mark, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's just, he's still got, man. And he's just always been one of the sweetest guys and it's been a dear friend to me. You know, we won't see each other for several years and we'll run into each other. And it's like we just were hanging out yesterday. You know, he's that guy. And, uh, so it's yeah, it's great to bring him in, and that was a nice fit actually with him on that, and my friend Troy Luketta from Tesla playing drums on the Fastway track. Yeah, and uh, you know Tom, Tom and Mark sound good together because I think all Mark might be a little too high, all Tom would be too low. The two of them together, they just fill the the frequency map perfectly, you know, and they just fill it all in, and it really they were really a great duet on that. Well, you mentioned Dirk a few times and kind of shifting to Megadeth for a second, like this is his first album that he's been, you know, recording with you guys, like how, how did the process yep. go and how did he fit in? And like, what, what do you think he might've brought to the band that might not have been there before? <sighs> he's amazing, man. I mean, again, one of the things about Dirk, probably more than any other drummer, um, is he really, he really, obviously he's great at the current stuff and, you know, playing, you know, when you're a, when you come into Megadeth at this point, man, you got a you got some pretty serious legacy to cover, you know, and to really do it well. And you know, we had some great musicians in the band, um, you know, for sure. But Dirk is the guy who fundamentally channels his inner Gar Samuelson, you know. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 one thing to listen to it, you know, as a as a listener. It's a whole other thing when you're really in the room, you know, and me and Dave will look at each other and go, geez man, it's like he plays just like Gar. You know, and to really know that because Dave and I were in the room with Gar when he was writing and playing these parts and recording them and 
you know, I think the, the difference is, is, is Gar was in, in a jazz tradition, never played the same thing twice. And if you asked him to, he would almost purposefully and rebelliously not play the same thing twice. You know what <laughs> I mean? Because it just, that's just, that's part of his jazz rebellion, you know, because jazz, you know, jazz is kind of the original rock and roll, man. It was, it was the original rebellious music, you know? Um, and, um, at least maybe in that 20th century, I guess. <laughs> I guess all music to some degree has kind of been rebellious, but that, that in particular, you know, it, it, it had a, it had a swagger about it, you know, and, and, you know, because Dirk is such a, a schooled musician, you know, he's a great player. He, he can write charts. He can read music. He, um, he's got a great ear. He's, um, you know, obviously he's one of the, one of the, you know, progressive, and I don't mean prog rock, but like the, the grindcore progressive. He, he's an inventor of that, of that style of drumming, um, and really owns it and is respected around the world and around the, the drum community, um, especially for that genre, which is so progressive, you know, um, that, you know, he can come in and, and it just adds so much really special flavor to Megadeth. And, um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait for people to hear the, the record. I mean, we're, we're just, you know, we're rapping basic tracks, so I can't really talk too much about it yet because there's still some to be recorded. But, um, I can t- speak into Dirk, man. He is a shining star on the new record. <laughs> yeah, I'm a huge fan of Soul Work, so I was really happy to see whenever he got that gig with you guys. Between, you know, the Megadeth album, the Elfson album, EMP, and everything you've got going on, I'm sure you've been extremely busy, but without the Megadeth touring schedule happening this year? Like, how have you spent your personal time during this pandemic? You know, to be honest with you, you know, a lot of my personal time here around the house has been, um, I think, I think right away, you know, my family, we look, we went to Costco, we bought four bicycles. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, you know, we, we just, to me, you know, we've, uh, my kids, we, we like, and, my, and me, we bought golf clubs. So we took, you know, we took up golf. You know, my kids had never really golfed before. I, I've, I've taken up golf three times, which means I'll probably quit it three times because I don't, I'm like, I'm good for a while. And then, and then I stopped. Um, but, but, you know, and, and so between, you know, we really got into outdoor living. And of course, living here in Arizona, it's pretty easy. And the weather, you know, is, is really good up until, you know, about July. It gets a little, it's a little warm for a couple of months, but you know, so we were able to spend a lot of time outdoors, um, staying very active, uh, with, with bike riding and golfing and swimming and, and, um, hiking and just, you know, really being active outdoors. And that, and that, that of course, I think did us all a lot of good mentally, physically, um, just optimistically, um, you know, rather than having to sit inside, I feel bad for people who are kind of stuck back where it's cold and snowy and gray skies. And, you know, I know that because I grew up in Minnesota. Um, so we, you know, that I think is probably what really, you know, kept us motivated as a family um, and personally. And and I think, um, you know, even the summer, you know, I, I made several trips over to California. And, and I'd always include a little bit of music and a little bit of work stuff in there every time I went. But then I'd just go to the beach hang out for a few days too, you know, meet friends at the beach. And, and that was nice just to, you know, really enjoy, you know, kind of in a weird way, kind of actually have a bit of a, a summer vacation yeah. um, because usually I'm on tour, which, you know, to me, touring is a summer vacation. You know, I, I, it's hard to call, 
I don't ever want to call music work because then it just becomes a shitty four letter word, you know, and that's the whole reason. That's the whole reason we started playing music. So we didn't have to get jobs and go to work, you know? So, you know, to me, it's the other four letter word play, you know, play music, not work music. Right. Well, kind of a final question for you. You got the David Elfson Youth Music Foundation and you guys have done those. Say, can you stream events? Like kind of talk about what that foundation does and like your idea and how it came to be. Yeah, well, the foundation we started in 2018, we started around uh, Jackson, Minnesota, my hometown, the mayor and the fine people of the of the town and the community had proclamated October 9th as the official David Ellison Day back there. And, um, which was very kind and thoughtful of them, obviously. And, you know, Tom Hazert and, um, another friend of ours, Donnie Schoenrock, who owns Cat's Hog Heaven, uh, which is a really successful barbecue restaurant there in, in Jackson. And they go, he also houses now our Ellison Coffee House and a nice little museum of, of my, of, you know, my, my life and my history there and my family's history inside his restaurant. So, they're the ones that helped really push that forward. And, and as you know, I got word of this, um, right after I had been inducted in the Iowa Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, just literally just across the border, like, like 30 minutes away down in Spear Lake, Iowa. You know, I was, I was, you know, Megadeth had just won a Grammy the year before. And so just all this really great legacy stuff was happening, you know, and I thought, you know, I'd read somebody said, you know, if you just live your life for you, when you die, it's over, you know, but if you, if you take your life and you give it to others, then once you pass, your life carries on, you know, and then that's, that's called your legacy. And I love that. I mean, that really, I've actually, you see it when you have children, you know, your children carry on and you start to put your estate planning together. You know, when you leave the planet, who's going to get all your stuff or, you know, all that, you know, like, who gets the guitars and you know who's gonna live in the house when you when you die you know i mean just that stuff you know and it's so funny because the one thing we're all going to do is die yet there's so much fear around it and there's so and, and a lot of people don't want to face their mortality so they don't plan for it and i found and i'm very lucky my dad was always big with estate planning because you know we had a farm and it was a pretty big operation and you know he made sure that when when he died you know, we didn't have to sit around and figure out and argue over what was going to happen to it, you know, that it stays in the family and it just continues to provide for the family. And, and I, I've set my, my same family trust in the state up the same way, you know, that it's like, you know, you create songs and these songs naturally are going to outlive you. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to speak to another generation at another time long after we're gone. And, you know, so the David Alton Youth Music Foundation was the same thing. It's like, let's create a foundation around, you know, this, this day that's been proclamated for me back in Jackson. Um, the, you know, the people of Jackson, Minnesota, they raised me well, you know, they're a great community. They're great people. They raised me in their schools, their churches, you know, they taught me how to be a good neighbor and, you know, how to be a good citizen, you know, and, um, you know, so when I left, Jackson and went off to LA and we started Megadeth and you know LA was well, I never felt that comfortable in LA because it's a big city you know it, it's very different from what I grew up in so when I moved out here to Arizona to Scottsdale it's kind of a again it's kind of a small little town and a lot of my people from the Midwest we come here <laughs> this is where a lot of the snowbirds and people when they retire they 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 hang their hat here in Arizona so it's, it was always very comfortable for me and the foundation was designed to do the same thing was let's 
continue to take, you know, the legacy of music and, and um, raise funds to be able to buy equipments and donate equipment when needed to give music instruction to uh, the next generation, um, the young generation, um, to keep them engaged and excited about music. And the, the, our Schools Out initiative really came at the perfect time once the schools all shut down during the pandemic earlier this year. So um, it was really a beautiful thing where we had the, the, the house was built, you know, the, the foundation was in place um, and we were able to, you know, make some, some very valuable contributions to a lot of people around the world who um, weren't able to go to school and probably kind of were sitting there trying to figure out what, what this pandemic is and what does life look like while we're in it and maybe when it's over, what does it look like? And, and so our foundation, I feel like, was, was really there um, at, at the starting point of all that to really be of service and be of, of help to that. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to all the music you got coming between Megadeth and Elfson, and we really appreciate you coming back on here and talking to us again. Yep, absolutely, guys. Good to chat. There you go. David Elfson of Megadeth, of Elfson, of Metal Allegiance of attitudes and altitudes of his own solo bass story. Right. Of Elfson Coffee Company, of the Youth Music Foundation, of EMP Label Group, of Combat Records, of the author of two books. This man does way more than you or me. That's for damn sure. Yep. He's like the Army. He does more than us, like, before 9 in the morning. (laughs) That's right. But, yeah, just, if you're not familiar with all that stuff, EMP Label Group, Combat Records, him and Tom Hazard run these things, doing a lot of great work with that. He's got two books out now. He's got the coffee company, of course, and in all this great music. I mean, really the past decade or so, this guy's been more prolific than most people in metal. Uh, I get that. And for him to just stay the dude that he is, you know, everybody talks about it. You hear it from all kinds of people in metal that this guy is, quote unquote, the nicest guy in metal. And I mean, you know, we talk to him, he's great. He stays, you know, he's humble. He's an amazing dude. And a, and above all that, I still think he's probably an underrated bass player because his name doesn't come up when people are talking about basses. You know? And it should. Yeah. So yeah, dig into all that stuff, attitudes and altitudes and Delson stuff that came out in the last couple of years. And of course, this album, this covers album that's coming out soon. Check all that great stuff out. I didn't mention thank you to Jody Best from Best Bet Promotions for her continued support. And of course, a huge thank you to David Elfson for returning to the podcast. Hopefully we can say that again one day. Right. If you're listening for the first time and you're not familiar with this, we've had on a lot of great people from, in fact, we've had on the guy that filled in for David Elfson for a couple albums, James Lomenzo, who was in Black Lives Society, now with John Fogarty. Fed on Chris Broderick, who used to be in that band, Megadeth. Right. Now we've had on David Elson twice, so we've had on four Megadeth members. Exactly. Count him twice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we've had on... I like your reasoning. <laughs> right. We've had on members of Death Angel. We've had on Alex Skolnick of Testament. We've had on Joel Grind, the mastermind behind Toxic Holocaust. We've had on a couple members of Battlecross multiple times. Who else am I... Is there anybody else thrash? If not, I mean, we can. We've had on all the sludge, the doom, oh, yeah. the stoner rock, uh, Kirk Winstein, 
Reed Mullen. Mike uh, Dean, Jimmy Mike Bauer. Dean, Jimmy Bauer, yeah. And then we've had on Kenny Hickey from Typo Negative and Silver Tomb. We've had on Tommy Victor of Prong. Prong, yeah. We've had on John Connolly of Seven Dust. We've had on Trevor from the Black Dahlia Murder. We mentioned Sons of Texas earlier. We've had on both their guitarists more than once. We've had, uh, we've had Simmons. Trevor from Haunt. That's right. Gene Simmons, Bruce Kulick. Yeah. Dizzy Reed <clears throat> of Guns N' Roses. I listened to Use Your Illusion 2 twice in a row yesterday. Nice. I haven't listened to it straight through in a long time. Well, it's your favorite band, so. Yeah, so I just felt it was due. And it's right. like, it's easier to listen to straight through than Use Your Illusion 1 is. I see. I get that. I was always more akin to yeah. yeah. Because there's a couple songs. I mean, I... I don't really want to skip it, but there's a couple songs on Usual Illusion 1 that was kind of like, eh. But yeah. on Usual Illusion 2, I like every single track. Yeah, yeah it's badass all the way Bar through. Bar none. I mean, if Coma was on Usual Illusion 2, it'd be like the greatest album of all time. Right, right. But that was a random side note. So, yeah. <laughs> all that great stuff. 286 previous episodes. The David Elfson one, I should have looked up the number, but it was in the 100s. If you just Google David Elfson Thunder Underground. It'll be the first thing that pops up. Right. I can promise you that. So, <laughs> check us out at thethunderunderground.com. You can listen there. You can find all our socials. If you follow us, like us, all that great stuff. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Check out that new Napalm Death video and our recent videos from Metallica and some other stuff we've done. Follow us on our socials. You can listen to us on SoundCloud, Google Music, iTunes, all that great stuff. Spotify. Once again, a huge thank you to Best Bat Promotions, to Hell Hot Sauce, Sunset Tattoo, Med Farm, and DB Concerts. And until next time, Thunder Underground, y'all.